Good time of day, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of WKNC's newest podcast, WKNC's Brain Trust. My name is Lucas, and I'll be your host with almost the most as I tackle introspective topics with my guests and occasionally, fingers crossed, get lucky with a good joke. For today's episode, we will be talking about political polarization, and I have two guests here that I have met at a club here on campus called Bridge USA, a free-of-hate-speech political discussion club that I highly recommend. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce myself a little bit more. My name is Lucas, I'm from Long Island, New York, and I'm a member of the freshman class of 2026 here at State. As I've said, I'm super excited to be hosting this podcast, and I am even more excited to be introducing our guests for the episode. Guest number one, do us a favor and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is David Olshinsky. I'm a political science major here at NC State. I'm also a senior. Currently, I'm the president of Bridge USA and involved with Alpha Tau Omega as the recruitment chairman. Wonderful. Thank you, for, thank you for coming, David. Thank you for introducing yourself. I'm looking forward to the discussion we have today. Now, guest number two, do us a favor and introduce yourself. Uh, thank you for having me on board, Lucas. Uh, my name is Benjamin Guadarrama. I'm a finance major over at Poole College of Management. I'm involved in Bridge USA and also with Alpha Tau Omega. Amazing. So we have our two fantastic guests here today. And we have our amazing topic picked by yours truly. Today's topic, they know it. Today's topic is political polarization. We are going to be talking about why, as a country today, as a society, why we are so politically polarized. So to dive right in, I'd like to pose our first question. Would you say our country is dangerously polarized and why? Ben, I'd love to hear from you first. Uh, yes, I'd say our country is polarized, yet to what degree uh, people can differ on that. I don't believe it's dangerously polarized, but it is polarized. At no other point in history has opposing political beliefs viewed each other so negatively. Uh, the Pew Research Center has an outstanding survey. They compared it from one year ago to a couple of decades ago. And from that trend, we can see that both parties are starting to view each other more and more negatively as time goes on. That's an excellent response, Ben. Now, why would you say, just, just as a, a basic kind of initial thought, why would you say you think that is the case? Why do you think people are viewing each other more and more negatively? Uh, right off the top of my head, I can think of a couple of reasons. The first main one being social media. It learns our, our habits of what we like and what we dislike. And as it captivates us and wants to draw us in deeper, it's going to feed more to our extremes, whether that be our personal biases or our political beliefs, whatever it shows, it's going to pull us more to the extreme. Oh, I would definitely agree. Social media can be rough. Now, David, would you say our country is dangerously polarized and why? So our country is not dangerously polarized yet. However, it is increasingly getting there. So as Ben said, uh, with the Pew Research Center, you can see that Congress is definitely more polarized than ever. So in the 1990s, there used to be people that are Democrats considered on the right. There's also people that are Republicans considered on the left of the spectrum. Uh, also, everyday people are saying that they refuse to be friends with the opposite political party. And as Ben said, this can be attributed to social media, but more, more specifically, the spread of misinformation and hate on those platforms. 
Excellent, David. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm glad you know, guys agree on the fact that social media can do us some harm. Uh, we all know that algorithms on social media can be dangerous. Although they show us what we want to see, that can sometimes be difficult for polarization stances. Because uh, social media, will, it'll, just, it'll show you what you want to see. Sometimes you never see the other side. You never learn about the other side. But while we are still on the topic of social media, do you think that there are any other ways that social media may negatively impact the, let's say, polarization level of our political landscape here in America? Right off the top of my head, I can think of two different ways social media can also negatively affect us besides learning your habits and feeding you what you already like. One is naturally people are going to be more drawn towards figures in their, with their own political beliefs, whether those uh, views be more extreme. And as they get pulled to those extreme people, they're going to be engaged in their more. They're going to be surrounded more by their own thoughts. As such, they're going to enter an echo chamber where anything inside the chamber is right, anything outside must be wrong. Yeah, building off what Ben said, uh, the arguments on social media comments continue to get more post-reach. With that, people are emotional creatures and are inclined to comment when they see something emotionally charging. Yeah, I definitely agree. People people love a good fight, especially on, on social media. Things can get heated quite quickly. And uh, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that people are emotional. Okay, They like what they like. They don't like what they don't like. So do you think that because of the fact that we are so polarized, that contributes to the fact that people don't want to see things that they don't like. Just because of the fact that we are so polarized, that we've gone past the point, like I don't want to say the point of no return, but we've gone past that point where people are willing to see the other side. And just because of the fact we're so polarized, do you think that contributes to how people react to things on social media? Yeah, so definitely human nature contributes to that, right? Um, everybody in time has hated each other. There, you can see polarization way back in the past. However, it's not as bad as it is today. Um, there's definitely periods of time where they increase in polarization, but also polarization decreases. So because of that human nature, I believe that, that social media arguments exist and continually do so. Yeah, um, so it's almost like a snowball, right? Once we get a little bit polarized, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. But someone's going to have to have enough G-force to stop it. So I, and I really like the, uh, the snowball analogy, uh, but have you ever seen the movie G-force? Like, have you ever seen that movie? I have not. No, the ones with the, the hamsters in it? Oh, okay. Actually, I have seen that. I've seen it. When I was a little kid, I watched it on repeat. Yeah, those, those, those movies. It's actually funny because the f first episode of the show I talked about, we talked about, like, nostalgia. So I talked about Megamind. Is that my, yeah. is my move like that? So I, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I, I like that movie. Rango um, was a good one. Oh, that movie was so good. Uh, but to get us back on track, obviously, you know, we got to have our little branch out every once in a while. But um, I like uh, that. was a good response. Um, but I will pose our next question to Ben. Uh, what other societal factors do you believe contribute to political polarization? Like, Because we've talked about social media. We all know that, you know, social media, it's a... It's a hole. You just if you don't put down the shovel, you're gonna keep digging, and it's gonna go deeper and deeper and deeper. Or like the snowball, like David said, it's gonna keep rolling and it's gonna bigger, 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 and then it's eventually G-force is gonna have to stop the snowball at some point. But do you think there are any other factors in society? Because I'm sure there are. But are, do you 
think you could name any other factors that we might be able to talk about. Oh, definitely. The first one that pops off right at the top of my head would be, um, I'd say, a change in values, not only amongst generations, but also across like where people live, which in-groups people identify themselves with. Uh, you and I, we could hold different values, and that could also form our political beliefs, which to some degree is a good thing and a bad thing. I believe that exasperates our polarization piece. If I, see, if I believe somebody else has a different belief, then I'm just going to go, oh, they must have different values than me. When in actuality, we could hold the exact same values, but just go about them different ways. That's definitely really interesting. Would you mind expanding on that a little bit? Uh, what part of it? Like, how would somebody go about things in a different way? Like, if I value, let's say, like, if I if I value, let's say, money the same way that you do, how could we, because I, I know you're a finance guy, so how, if I value money the same way that you do, how would it express, how would, how would that, like, show in going about it in different ways if it's not just different values? Of uh, Stay on topic with like the finance that we could easily talk about monetary policy and how we sh and how people would treat welfare differently. Uh, that could come back to like I said, values that people already hold pre predeterminedly. How much they want to help somebody, how much they believe the government should help, um, when compared to the surrounding community. Ah, uh, okay, I see now. Thank you for elaborating on that. And uh, David, anything else in society you think might be a heavy contributing factor to our polarization because we talk about our values and we'll definitely come back to our values, but I just want to establish some other and other uh, topics we can mention before we move on. Yeah, so if we talk about geographic isolation, uh, people in the cities versus people in the country, oftentimes people in the city are more liberal, people in the country are more conservative, and that actually creates identity group politics within that. So um, definitely your location and off that, the values. Uh, so, David, for maybe some of our listeners who don't understand what I, I, identity politics are, would you mind shedding some light on that and maybe explaining a little bit? Yeah, so identity politics is essentially an approach where people of a particular race, religion, sexual orientation, background develop a political agenda. For example, let's say if I was a very religious Christian, I would center my values around that and have a political agenda to promote my values. Oh, yeah, thank you for uh, explaining that. I appreciate it. Um, ben, do you have anything else to say on that? Uh, staying on the topic of identity politics, uh, I'm going to point to myself for a very unique and interesting example, honestly. Uh, I'm a practitioner of the Jewish faith. I'm of Mexican descent. I was raised in the country here in the South. So while some people may look at certain facets individually, Hispanic, Jewish and like already assume I'm going to have a predetermined uh, political belief just based off that. I believe that that is a factor working into polarization. People work themselves into different in-groups just because of what they were born into or raised into. Uh, so thank you guys for elaborating on identity politics for the people out there, <clears throat> me, who really doesn't get it all that much or maybe just needed a little bit more clarification. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, wonderful examples of identity politics just to help us understand here at WKNC's Brain Trust because we have the biggest of brains and we trust in them. So like I said earlier, we're going to jump quickly back into values. Uh, so jumping back into values, uh, Ben, do you have anything else that you'd like to say? 
really on values. Um, going back to how it polarizes us, it's essentially how we hold them differently. Those values are affected by a multitude of subjects, whether it be ourselves, our personal experience, our immediate family, and even our culture that we're raised in. Uh, we could we all hold the same values, but we just hold them to different degrees. Uh, you could hold a uh, a value of I guess you can say freedom from the government. How how many regulations and laws there should be? We hold the same values, but to different degrees. Those values being not only regulatory envi- the regulatory environment, uh, personal values about like life and marriage, but also public values about how involved somebody has to be in their public community, whether that be serving as a volunteer first responder all the way over to education. Yeah, Ben, one of my biggest values is education. Uh, I love to promote fair education to all students. However, in many ways, party polarization can contribute to unfair education. I've encountered many liberal or conservative professors that blend their personal opinions with the facts being taught. Some others, and most that I've taken, which I'm very fortunate, keep their own opinions out of their teaching. This allows students to create their own opinion and in turn be a better citizen at the polls. Right. I actually had a similar situation with one of my high school teachers. Uh, and it was the worst, too, because this was like the last period of the day. So nobody wanted to hear what they had to say. But they always, 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 always had something to say. Every single day. Something new to start the class that wasn't related to the class at all. And they just, not only did they kind of force their own opinions on us as students, little us are in a little impressionable student minds. Um, but not only did they, they force their opinions on us basically every day, were those opinions some of the, just some of the, the, the wackiest opinions I've ever heard, just really outlandish kind of stuff that just really makes you think, like, should this person be teaching? Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I've also encountered another teacher that maybe a little less extreme of an example, but definitely more direct of an example, I'd say. Um it's actually in a government class that I took. So it's very easy for teachers in government classes that teach, you know, they'll teach those government classes to have biases that slip through every once in a while. But uh, my my government teacher would, like, he would show us, um, he'd show us, like, um, CNN's top five things to look out for. Like, every day they release a, a top five thing to look out for, which is uh, a really great resource for anybody looking to kind of get into the world of politics. Like, just get a little taste of it. They'll give you, like, a top five things going on in the news right now, and they'll give you little short summaries of it. And he would show us that, and then he would explain it using something from, like, Fox News or some other completely opposite source. I mean, it it could be seen as a good thing, but the way he did it, it was just, it was really obvious that he only showed us the CNN sources because he, like, needed to. Not like the school, or maybe somebody must have complained, because he it really showed he really didn't want to do the CNN source. He really he only would ever show us like any videos we had in class. It was very obvious where they came from, like PragerU. So I don't know if you guys have heard about PragerU, but uh, it's very obvious that PragerU is very biased. So he would always show us videos explaining things only from PragerU. So that definitely impacted the way I thought about things because. It would just be very biased, which is not what we need in today's political climate. At least that's what I think. Yeah, so if you want a good source to kind of see all sides of the news, you could always go to allsides.com. That's what I try to tend to use. They can rate certain news sites as very 
conservative or very liberal, and then you'll know what kind of news you are getting. That's wonderful. Love to have extra sources so that you can guys can see the truth. Uh, but that's just uh, another way that the media kind of does that. Because not only is it social media that shows you what you want to see, the actual media, like news sources, sometimes show things generally like uh, like biased towards what their source shows all the time. Like if you have a, a left-leaning source, they will only really show the left side. Or if you have a right-leaning source, they'll only show the right side. So that's just a, another way that that can happen. Yeah, I'll give you an example. So this is about the Elon Musk takeover on Twitter. Uh, this is from David Marcus. His headline was, what would I do if I were Elon Musk taking over Twitter? Let freedom reign. Obviously, that is a very conservative position to take. BBC News says, Elon Musk, how the world's richest person bought Twitter. The left, a left-leaning uh, left author, wrote, Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter will destroy freedom of speech, not protect it. Oftentimes, people write a lot of op-ed articles, and they're actually labeled as op-ed articles, but people might not pay attention to the fact that they are. Op-ed are opinion pieces, and if you can't distinguish the fact between op-eds and facts, then they kind of blend together. Right, and obviously that can be very dangerous for how people identify themselves politically because if they only see opinion and they only see opinion, like you said, they're going to start to believe that opinion, which is not fact. It is simply opinion. And if they don't get it, then they can be misinformed, which is very dangerous. And if they're misinformed, they generally make just general, like like blanket statements about things without knowing the truth because they cannot either can't find the truth, don't want to find the truth, or what they're finding they think is the truth, and they just don't know. Um, but bringing us back to education, so not only is it important for teachers in schools to just what we think here on WKNC's Brain Trust, because we have the biggest brains, and we trust in those brains, uh, what we think is... Teachers generally should try their best to keep their own political views out of the curriculum that they teach to allow students to be able to form their own ideas in healthy ways. Of course, I mean, students can always go and talk to teachers about it, like normal people, especially on a college campus. Um, but in general, teaching, keep it out, don't need it. Teach the curriculum, get the curriculum over with. Um, but bring us back to education and just general ignorance on subjects. Um, I'd like to talk more about that. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, when we talk about education and how well informed voters are, those two go right hand in hand. Democracy will die in ignorance. If people aren't educated about the current subjects, about the current events happening actually within and within one's country and externally from one's country, we won't be able to vote for the right policies. We won't be able to set this country on the right track to the ever-changing world stage. And that begins at the school level. What I believe personally should begin at the high school level. That's when I know personally, uh, from my personal experience, that's where me and most of my friends started forming our own political opinions. As such, we could have still been influenced by teachers who would include as examples their own personal beliefs in class. That could have easily influenced us. Yeah, also, I think one big opinion or one big influence is definitely parents as well. Um, a lot of the times when you're raised in a house where both of your parents, let's say both your parents are conservative, those are the people 
from a well, for literally from when you were born until let's say you graduate high school, if you're fortunate enough to live with the same parents, they're going to shape your political opinions almost the most. Right. Like I know a lot of uh, a lot of families on Long Island are very Republican, and that that comes from it just comes from the fact that their parents, like people like my friends, their parents have lived. Their parents have values. Their parents have kind of they've decided who they are politically. And it's interesting that, I mean, obviously parents are supposed to raise their children, supposed to teach them right from wrong. But I'm going to pose a, a little bit of a surprise question on you guys now that you bring it up. But although like it is, obviously it's important for parents to raise their children, teach them right from wrong from what they believe. But similarly to what I think we're kind of agreeing on with what should be done in schools, which is they should be shown both sides of arguments, both sides of the facts. Basically, they should, be, should be shown the truth and they can make their own decisions on it. Do you think in the, like, in, like, your nuclear family, like, you and your, like, you and your parents, your parents or future parents should take a similar approach in raising their children instead of saying, oh, oh, like, we like, like, that guy on the TV. We like him. Yeah, let's go. We like that guy. Oh, we don't like that guy. Oh, wait, this is right. This is wrong. Do you think it would be important? Because obviously it's important for them to start on the high school level. I would I would argue even even earlier in the middle school level because I don't know about you guys, but I went through the, the, the wrong side of YouTube phase in middle school where, oh, my God, I got into the absolute worst side of YouTube in middle school. Thankfully, I've gotten onto normal normal YouTube, but um, I think it should start even before that because you get your values from your parents. You get your values from the environment you grow up in. So should parents take a similar non-biased approach to raising their children? Um, I'd like to touch on, before I answer the question, I'd like to touch on something you said earlier. You said their parents have lived through experiences. I believe that's something that us as students should also be doing more of, trying to get out there and go through experiences. Uh, most, some of us uh, will go to high school, do a couple of clubs, and come through college. But personally, in high in high school, I had a bunch of different experiences. I was in Gaslin County Teen Court. I was in Police Explorers. Age of 16, I joined a volunteer fire department. I got my firefighting certifications. Been firefighting since then. At 17, I joined the military. Uh, all of those experiences have formed me, and they have molded me into who I am today. I'll be a totally different person person not exactly a blank slate but have been a lot more uh i believe the word would correctly said would be all of this has been a more formative experience it's helped me find where i stand with my own values and going actually segueing to what you said about families and parents what values i want to pass on to my children uh, no i don't believe uh parents should be a blank slate towards their children when it comes to values a home and a family is where a children first learns their values i believe they should be unbiased at school but that's because the kids it's not the school's kids those kids belong to the family not to the school and not to the teachers yeah ben i agree with you um to a certain extent i was fortunate enough to have parents to raise me to see every side of that argument so anytime that i had a situation i asked my parents advice and make the decision based off that not them necessarily telling me what to do it worked for me but it might not work for everybody and i don't believe that i have a right to tell another parent what morals they should be raising their children with, and those morals can be found in many different places. Typically, it might be religion. It might. Some people even have a civic religion, 
Um, some terminology I learned about that is in America, we kind of formulated our country around a civic religion. So just being really involved in government, being really involved in those kind of places. Um, so morals are very hard to define. So what worked for me worked for me. Might not work for somebody else. So, so you bring up religion, like a civic religion being involved in government and our, our system kind of being built around that. Would you say that our, our sort of roots built around a very religious, you know, 13 colonies, really religious sense kind of, um, or at least back then, a little more religious than it is now kind of, kind of deal. Like they formulated the government around that civic religion. So based off what you said, would you say that our roots, so like from the beginning, we were kind of, I wouldn't say doomed to become polarized as we are today, but kind of meant or like it was it was going to happen inevitably. Like it was like an inevitable thing that we were going to become as polarized as we are today. I don't think that the country was formed around religion. Many of our founders were deists and didn't form our constitution around that. So, for example, I do believe that religion is going to inevitably leak into our politics. Uh, this can be seen through interest groups. And religion essentially equals our values, typically, if you are religious. And politics also have a very large role to play in values, as we talked about before. So you're saying just the way our system is, you know, obviously democracy is reliant on people's values to decide, determine how they're going to vote. You just mean like the, the system is built in a way that has allowed religion to kind of seep into our, our politics just to be another, another sort of splitting factor, another polarizing factor it could be um however not only religion obviously there's plenty of other interests uh, building off what my friend david just said uh going back to how religion could be another factor in politics i remember a while back and in my little hometown out a little ways about um i was actually just driving down the road and there's it was around campaign season so there's a little campaign poster on the side and one of the defining factors somebody had that they cared to mention on their campaign poster was the fact that they were christian they actually listed that on there. I believe this could be indicative as a factor that some people see, hey, he's part of this religion. It's the same in-group as I am in. Therefore, he's more qualified than candidate B and C. Uh, so we're having some really wonderful discussion here. Um, I definitely agree with what you guys have been saying. Uh, you know, obviously religion has been, uh, is a very important factor in why we are polarized, why we have our values and why you know, people disagree because differing religions believe different things. People have different values. And again, right back where we started, people are polarized. Now we're going to get into our sort of uh, wrap-up sort of question. Um, but I would still love to hear the amount of uh, examples, the uh, enthusiasm you guys are giving, the elaboration. I'm loving it all. and I'm sure our listeners are too. What do you think can be done to change, again, that uh, that fake term I made up, like the, the polarization level? Like, what do you think can be done to improve that level? Maybe bring it down and kind of bring, bring our society back to a, an agreeable level of, like, harmony. There's multiple things that we can start with. First, you have to be willing to listen to people with other perspectives. For example, Lucas, if me and you disagreed vehemently on let's just say let's just say the economy i really want to hear hear your perspective either to 
understand you more, reinforce my belief, or change my own belief. Also, participating more civically, for example, Bridge USA here at NC State, we have a club where we are supposed to discuss with each other, not debate. Having an actual discussion rather than arguing can really open your mind. So if you are debating, oftentimes, if you hear something that you disagree with, you're just on the mic waiting to respond. If you treat it like a discussion and listen to everything, that actually might change your whole perspective on your response. So not necessarily the first thing that you say to me. I'm just like, I'm, I want to respond to that because it really heats me or really heats me up. If I essentially wait for you to complete your sentence and create craft a better response to that, uh, we can definitely start attacking polarization there. Using sources like all sides, that can also help tremendously because you can avoid yellow journalism. Right, so uh, I'd love to give you the opportunity now to quickly plug Bridge USA because I know you are the president of Bridge USA and it's an amazing club, but I would love to hear you. Oh, I'd love to give you the opportunity to plug our excellent club here on campus. Yeah, so Bridge USA NC State is a political discussion club, not political debate. Uh, we are multi-partisan, so we want to really value all perspectives and bring everyone to the chamber. However, we do not tolerate hate speech, and that is our contingency. You are welcome to come. Uh, that can be NC State students. That can also be non-NC State students. Um, you can reach me at bridgeusapresident at gmail.com. I would love to see some of you out there. Right now, we meet biweekly on Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30 p.m. We change our topic every time, and we typically meet in Tally Student Union. That's wonderful. Uh, I have Obviously, I met David and Ben through Bridge USA. Uh, it's an excellent club for people like me who are, I don't know, I, gen I put myself in the relatively uninformed group because uh, just haven't been as involved, but it's a great way to get involved, great way to get started, and a great way to have safe and productive political discourse. Uh, now, Ben, uh, I'm going to pose the same question to you. What do you think can be done to improve the real, like, uh, polarization level of our society in or a political landscape in America? What do you think can be done to improve it? Going back to what can be done to improve it, I believe the biggest thing we can do at the moment is exactly what Bridge USA was aiming for: in-person, open discussions about a subject. A uh, different study, I don't remember from who this time, and they had people from one political belief talk to each other and then rate, rate how they saw members of the opposing view. And then they mixed both groups together and then have them rate each other again, those from the opposing view. They found that after talking with people from the other, from the, across the aisle, they actually rated, rated people more favorably than previously done. Uh, what's easy to do when we're just discussing a same subject whether it be online within our own echo chambers or just with our same group of friends every day who has the same beliefs as us, is to stop seeing the other side like other people who've also had life experiences that have formed their own experiences. We're entering our own echo chamber. We're not, being, we're not being as open to other people. It used to be back in the day, the average human had interactions with everybody. I believe uh, the average friend group, that correction, not friend group, the average social size, the average number of how many meaningful social interactions a human can hold was 150. At today, that number has dropped drastically. I believe last time it was at 75 and it's supposed to be near 50. 
that is a decreasing number of social interaction, higher levels of isolation. When somebody isolates themselves, they become more prone to reaching those far political extremes just to find where they fit in. So when they find those extremes and they don't have people to talk to, they again, as you circle back to it, they become misinformed. They become, un I don't want to say uneducated, but that's really what we're hitting at here. If you don't get it, you're not going to, you just, you, you can't get it. If you're not educated, if you're not informed, really, because you may still be educated, but you are not informed. If you don't have the truth, if you don't have the facts, and if you don't engage in discussions like we have at BridgeUSA, hashtag GoBridgeUSA, that's not a real hashtag, don't quote me. Um, but by ha not having those discussions, we kind of shelter ourselves in our own echo chambers and become more polarized and we become more reactive to when people disagree with us. Picking up where you left off, I just love how you used the word the truth when you were listing off that list. It's something worrying, certainly, that we're starting to see nowadays where people are starting to say, this is my truth. There's no such thing as my truth. There's only the truth. That once we enter our own idea that there is my truth, that's when we're entering my echo chamber where I just want to hear what I want to hear. And anything outside of that echo chamber is to a certain degree either false or to have some people have said violence just because it isn't what I agree with. Yeah, everyone, obviously, go seek the truth. That is how we're going to fight party polarization. Uh, the only way to bring it back to any level that is closely resemblance of people actually talking together. For example, look at Congress. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, there is nobody in Congress that is real, really willing to work with the other side. If we want to have any chance of bringing it back to a point where we can talk to each other, we have to go engage, we have to seek the truth, and we have to formulate our own opinion. I could not agree more with everything you guys have said about what we can do. Obviously, seek the truth, talk to people, get out of your echo chambers, and do what you can to become more informed and more unpolarized. Uh, so I think that about wraps it up. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being here. I had an excellent time recording with you guys, and I'm really glad you agreed to be here for episode three of my podcast. Thank you, Lucas. It's been a pleasure. I'd just like to thank you so much for this opportunity, man. Right, and again, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, and I also appreciate the amazing intro and outro music provided to us by JT Suttuk from Moving Boxes. Uh, if you want to check them out, They've done some really great work for us here at WKNC's Brain Trust and for WKNC. JT is a great guy. Moving Boxes is an excellent band. If you want to check them out on Instagram, they are Moving Boxes Band, all lowercase, one word. That's Moving Boxes Band. Now, if you want to stay tuned with WKNC's Brain Trust, because we have the biggest brains and we definitely do trust in them. If you want to stay tuned with that, you can check us out at wknc.org forward slash podcasts. That's podcasts with an S. wknc.org forward slash podcasts. Subscribe to stay tuned with future episodes and to hang with us here at WKNC's Brain Trust. And with that, good, good day. day.